Ladies and gentlemen, today I'm gonna to tell you the story of orchestration. This is my new company that I have been building in semi-stealth mode for a while now. And I'm happy to finally announce what exactly I've been working on for the last six months. I believe this is a market opportunity on the scale of hundreds of billions of dollars. And it's only just become possible in the last few years really to pursue this opportunity, which is why I've started this company and which is why I've really committed to building what I'm about to show you today. So first things first, here's me, Andrew Ishimaru. Some of you, actually a lot of you probably know who I am, but if you don't, I've been working remotely for the last nine years. For the last five years, I've been a digital nomad traveling to almost 40, maybe 45 countries all around the world. And I am a four-time founder, ex-marketing agency owner. I used to have a marketing agency called Optimotive that I started with my business partner, Ben, for the end. We ran it for about six years and then sold it last year. So brief, a little bit about me. But now let's get into the story. So first things first, in order to properly tell the story of orchestration, we need to go back to, to my story and and really the the origins of this entire endeavor and i really this comes down to one single extremely important thing for me which is that remote work changed my life and what you're seeing here are a couple of photos from back when i used to work in denver before i started traveling uh, this is i believe 2016 and back in those days i was working somewhat remote mostly hybrid and I was working at a company called The Growth Co. with some incredibly talented, brilliant people. And in those days, I, I, I really got lucky because I was introduced to the concept of working remotely, of working without needing to be in an office when I, when I was there. And so I started realizing, wait a second, I can take advantage of this as an individual, get shit done, do good work. But also, if I don't need to be in the office, you know, maybe there's some things that I could do, like going snowboarding on the weekdays. And if you've ever been to, to Colorado, if you've ever been to Denver, and you've tried to go skiing out of Denver on the weekends, you know that it is horrible, horrible traffic. I remember a couple of weekends going out with my friends, sitting in traffic for literally three to six hours coming back from the mountain. That's absolutely, you could fly on a plane from the, from the West Coast to the East Coast of the United States, just in the time it took for us to sit in the car and slowly drive through rush hour traffic on the way back from a day of skiing. That's how bad it was. But I realized when I was working, when I was working remotely that I could go and I could ski on a weekday. And, you know, I, at the time I was working for a marketing agency. So I had a lot of calls. I had a lot of meetings. I needed to be very, very online, but what I realized was I could do things like get up at 5 a.m., drive to Keystone Resort, which is the closest resort to Denver that has a Starbucks right next to the lifts at the base. I could go there, work a bit at the Starbucks, grab first tracks when the ski lifts opened, make sure I just didn't have any, any meetings for a couple of hours in the morning, go to my car, stash my snowboard, grab my laptop, and then take some calls and do some work over over lunch in one of the cafes at the base of the resort. And then when I had a free hour, like maybe 12, 1 p.m., something like that, I could drive back to Denver, maybe go to the office, maybe go home, take some more calls and finish work for the rest of the day. And that was, I'd say, probably one of the first real tastes that I got of the freedom of using remote work in order to live a better lifestyle. Cause that's, let's face it, just fucking awesome. And so I did a lot of these things back in those days. I was working out of a co-working space called Galvanize up on Platte Street. It's a low high area of Denver. And to be honest, I really loved coming into the office, hit on co-working space, but office. I would usually be one of the first people there, put coffee in the coffee machine uh, before the sun comes up. And it was me and like two or three other people that would come in early and uh, usually work there, but I definitely took advantage of being able to work in different places besides the office. So, you know, I had a couple of go-to coffee shops, cafes that I would, that I would check out 
And yeah, I would just kind of bounce around the city. And that was my early tastes of what remote work was like. Then I became a digital nomad. And back then it was a little bit more niche. Now I think most people generally know what a digital nomad is. And yeah, also fucking awesome. So as a digital nomad, I have traveled all over the world. I started my travels in a car. Actually, I was driving with my ex-girlfriend and our dog through Latin America. That took a year. I went to, I went to Europe. I went to Africa. I went to Asia, which is where I, I am now. I'm actually in, in Osaka, Japan at the moment. And I've, I've really been able over the last five years to live this incredible lifestyle of essentially anything that I want. If I want to go to, you know, most people's vacation destination and go surfing for two weeks, I can do that. If I want to go to, uh, to Bangkok and uh, train Muay Thai and do Thai kickboxing for a month, I can do that, which is what I did. You can see the bottom right hand corner down here is in, in uh, Thailand. But if I want to go to Nepal and I want to go and work in the mountains in the Himalayas by the lake and go ride horses in the afternoons, which is what you see up here in the top right, I can do that. And essentially, I realized during these times, you know, this is just, this is just such an incredible opportunity for not just me, but so many people around the world to be able to live a different kind of lifestyle than is, is a standard than what most people have. You know, I would say uh, than, than our parents' generation got used to, right? On just going, waking up, going commuting, going to the office, commuting home, that kind of life. That, that is not a life that you need to live anymore. But there are one billion knowledge workers in the world. So, I believe that all of them should have this kind of freedom, freedom that I have, to work remotely and design their best life. That might be different for, for some people. You know, your best life isn't necessarily what I'm doing. It's not necessarily traveling all the time. But it might be things like if you want to go snowboarding on a Wednesday, going and doing that. Like if you want to go hiking and you want to go in the, in the morning when the sun's coming up and then get back and then work in the afternoon. It might be doing that. It might be traveling. It might be spending more time with your family. If you have some kids, it might be traveling with your family, which I know there's a lot of nomad families now becoming more and more popular. Just talking to someone the other day that, that that's doing that. And basically, yeah, I believe that this is something that everybody that has this opportunity should be able to take advantage of. But this story is not just about me. This story is about something much bigger than myself. So, Taking it back to the last five years, when I went, when I went remote at the time, I had started a marketing agency. And for the last five years, while I've been traveling the world and doing the digital nomad thing, going on adventures, going to cool parties in, in different places, meeting hundreds of amazing people and doing some incredible things. While I was doing that, I was actually building a business. So I built up my marketing agency. It started out just me and my business partner before I started traveling. But over the years of traveling, we built up a team. We scaled up. We worked with clients all around the world. And we, we, we built a business while, while living this kind of lifestyle. You can see in the, in the top middle here, this is me and the other partners from our team retreat that we did in, in Mexico a couple of years ago. In the middle, it's me and our business partner, Ben. And yeah, we essentially, you know, we, we looked at what was in front of us and said, we don't just want to live this life of freedom. We also want to create an incredible business. And so that's what we did. And we built a global team. We hired people in the U.S. We hired people internationally. We hired people in the U.S. and moved internationally. But we had people on the team at times that had been traveling the same as me. And we also had people that just lived in one place and, and didn't travel as well. But we had people all around the world. And at one point, we were dealing with time zones of the Americas, Europe, Africa, and also Asia. That was kind of a pain in the ass, but we figured it out. We made it work. We never had an office. From the beginning days of the business, there was no office. And that was very intentional on our part. We looked at this business we were creating and we said, well, you know, we don't want to have an office. We want to have freedom. We want to have the ability to live a certain kind of lifestyle. So let's just not have an office. We don't need it. We don't have to have it. And like, honestly, it wasn't even really a conversation that lasted very long. It was, it was kind of the obvious move to us because we had both 
been working remotely at the time. So we, we knew it was possible. And here you can see on the right side of the screen, uh, if you look in the video, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, I apologize if you're not going to be able to see this, but those are the smiling faces of people on the team and a couple different Zoom calls that we had over the years. That was our office. And it prepared us very well for the global pandemic that happened in 2020 because we didn't have any change to our operations. We Everything we were doing was exactly the same because we didn't have an office. So that has been my life for the last five five years until uh, I recently sold sold the agency last year, which is what preempted this new business, which I'm about to tell you a little bit more about. And then over here, you can see a couple of photos of myself in some different co-working spaces, different offices around the world. In the middle there, that's me working in Istanbul and Turkey. Found a cool co-working space, posted up there, took some took some meetings in this room. And then on the on the far left is me in Bali. That's why I've got the the no sleeves casual a casual look going because that was a little bit more of the island lifestyle back in those days and was working out of that co-working space for a little bit and basically what this is really getting at is that remote work for for us was a competitive advantage and there's so many things that that offered us originally it was just a way for us to have a lifestyle freedom while using the business to pay us money but that ultimately evolved into something more, which is that, and there's, this is just a small sample of the, the benefits of remote work that we were able to take advantage of. But we had lower expenses because we didn't have those in-person office costs. Uh, we had no rent to pay for. We had no liabilities or overhead from an office. We had higher productivity because we weren't constrained by physical limitations of working together. But we had a flexible cost structure because of the way that we were able to hire an architect or team, especially across employees, contractors, vendors, and different various methods of building a team. We had tax advantages as well. We were able to use the, the business remotely and our different jurisdictions that were registered in to our advantage, especially with you know, foreign travel. And like for me, I don't live in the US, so there's certain things you can do tax-wise if you're not actually living in the US, which kind of makes sense. You don't live there while you're paying certain taxes, which I'm not. We also had a bigger talent pool that we could pull from because we're not just hiring in one city. We're hiring globally anywhere that we can that we can hire from. We could attract better hires because of our culture and because of the opportunities that afforded people. I would say that there is multiple times where we're able to hire people that were way way more talented than I think a normal agency could have could have hired because of our remote position. We also had an awesome culture. Basically, if you want to travel, go do it. If you want to live a certain life, go do it. If you want to have a certain freedom, go do it. The 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 classic limitation of oh, but it has to work with work. We flipped that around and said, well, we don't want this to be a limitation. We want you to be able to create the life you want to live. Let's figure out how to make that work with the business and potentially have the business as a platform support everybody on the team as well. We were able to scale the team very easily. We didn't need to deal with logistics overhead of adding more people to an office. We don't. We had a digital setup for onboarding employees and new team members and contractors, so we could do that very efficiently and very, in a very standardized way. And we had a lower cost per hire because we were not dealing with anything in person. We can just conduct interviews and tests remotely, hire people remotely, and on multiple occasions, I. Yeah, I hired many people that I didn't meet for a long time. I, I, tr I tried to eventually meet most people on the team over the years, either me traveling to where they are or you know, we did some team retreats where we all met as well. But I hired people and worked with them and people that were leaders on my team actually for, for years without meeting them in person. We were also able to sell globally. We weren't constrained by our geography physically in terms of the serviceable market that we could address where we had clients. There were no travel costs to closing deals, to any sales efforts, uh, travel costs optional. If we want to go to a, to a conference or fly out to somebody, we could. And we, and we did a little bit of that. But for the most part, we, we essentially honed a sales system and sales method of bringing in clients and closing deals without needing to travel and take on these extra expenses. No dinners, no extra, which are kind of nice. Not gonna lie, I do enjoy taking potential clients out for dinner. But we didn't need that, right? It was an option for us. And we can also service clients easier because we had a global team that was that was working on different projects and various things for our clients. And uh, there was no limitation of meeting in person or anything physical that was getting in the way of us delivering that work. 
we were able to also leverage digital networking in terms of meeting potential clients, partners, people in the industry, things like that. And we basically honed a way of doing business without actually needing to do anything in person, which back then was a little bit more novel. Now, I think most people are a little bit more used to it, but we essentially used all of this to our advantage. Today, cat's out of the bag. People know about this, but it it very much was an advantage for us and still remains as advantages to companies that are able to do this well. But you have to crack the code on how to do it well, which leads me to my second point, which is that there are one billion knowledge workers in the world. And on the business side, every business employing knowledge workers should profit from the benefits of remote work. This is not a, a money pit. This is not a cost sink and an, and an added expense and added overhead. This is actually an opportunity to increase your profitability, to reduce expenses and potentially a growth lever to drive incremental revenue and drive, you know, whether that's opening into new markets or that's making your existing processes and your existing systems more efficient with the, the ways that you can work together and do business remotely. That's all things that are at your disposal when you do this right. So what this is really getting at is essentially we saw this globally in 2020 with the, with the pandemic. Work has changed forever. And it's very clear if you look at the office occupancy rates today and the very public, they're trying to keep it quiet, but still pretty public defaults by commercial real estate owners, real estate investment trusts, people in the public markets that own a lot of office rental property. Occupancy rates are low and they are, they are not bouncing back to historical levels. And I think you can make a few arguments to the contrary, but for the most part, you know, we've, we've returned from COVID. COVID's more or less over. Yes, there's some considerations that are still kind of lingering, but it's mostly over. However, people have not returned back to the same way of doing work as they were before in an office. And essentially what, what we have here, if you're listening to this, I'll try to describe it for you. If you're looking at the, at the video here, you can obviously see what's on my screen. Basically, we're looking at a matrix between 100% working in the office and 100% working remotely anywhere in the world. And there's the old way of doing this and the new way of doing this. And in, when you're working the, the old way, 100% in the office, in today's day and age, you, you are losing. You're losing money, you're losing talents, you're losing your competitive advantages versus other people in the space that are moving out of this. And you, you simply can't keep up. It's that way is dead. It's clearly reflected in the data of what's happening out in the world. And, and, and it is a movement, you know, major companies have tried to call people back into the office five days a week and people just are not going. So you see this, that people don't want to be in the office all the time, but certain companies are trying to make that happen. And it's just not, not only is it not working, but it's not a smart move compared to competitors who aren't going to force that on their employees. So that's, that, that's the losing zone. The new way of, of work for most businesses. And again, this is reflected in the data is to work some of the time in the office and some of the time at home. Downsize office space to save money on rent costs or reduce or take some equity out of your assets on your balance sheet if you own your property. And what this is essentially doing is it's, it's basically in the mediocre zone, so to speak. It's basically just keeping up with the way the world is moving, but it's not really fully taking advantage of any of the opportunities that are out there with this new way of work. And it's definitely not preventing all of the downsides of what you see when you try to hold on to the traditional way of losing in, in the global market. So this mediocre zone essentially is pushing a lot of people towards hybrid work, which is saying, let's do things the way we've always done it, but you can stay at home one or two days a week, maybe three, depending on, depending on you, depending on your job, depending on seniority, depending on the industry. And so, you know, tech, has done a lot of work from home because they're a little bit more amenable to that some kind of model. But you have other businesses that it's very difficult to do work from home, such as in manufacturing or anything that requires you know your, your physical hands to, to be in the factory, logistics, warehouses, moving around, things like that. But all of this is to say, this is just a mediocre zone. It's just keeping it. There's no advantage to this. It's just doing what you kind of need to do in order to match the movements of what's going on in the market. But the new way is basically what I'm about to talk to you about here, which is 100% remote work anywhere, work from home, work globally, work in different cities, different places, different countries. And it's basically 
Well, and I'll touch on this briefly. First, it's basically impossible to do this the old way. If you try to work the traditional way that most people in office culture and most businesses have been working up until the last couple of years, it's impossible. You can't do that and still stay compliant. You can't still do that and still stay productive. People need to adapt and change and leaders need to change their organizations in order to support this kind of work. So you can try, but you're going to lose money. It's going to be difficult. And yeah, it's basically the impossible zone to do things this way. The, the opportunity zone is the most important zone here, which is the most profitable, the highest growth zone. And what I believe is the future of work, which is working in the new way and working anywhere in the world, work from home, working globally, working in different cities, countries, what have you. If you do that right, which is what, which is what we did at my last company, you can really unlock all of the benefits as an organization and at the individual level for your employees and for your people in a way that, to be honest, it's just a win-win for everybody. And that, that opportunity zone of doing things the new way is where we're headed globally as, as, as an economy and as a market and as a, as a society. Like I said, cat's out of the bag. There's no going back. This is the way forward. And that brings me to the end of, of my story and really the beginning of the story of orchestration, which is, and I briefly want to, to talk about our name first, and then I'll tell you a little bit about what we do. Orchestration is, in essence, harmonious organization. And I chose this name specifically because when it comes to working remotely uh, and it comes to building, growing, running and optimizing an organization that is remote, it, it's about really conducting all the elements of the business together in a way that is harmonious. So when you do this right, remote work is, is harmonious. It's not, it's not a detriment. It's not something you have to deal with. It's not something that, oh, employees want this or this person wants to do this or oh, this person wants to travel. Oh, shit, what are we going to do about that? You know, oh, talk to HR none of that when you do it right you say wow i can't believe that we didn't do this sooner this is awesome and we're seeing the benefits reflected in our bottom line we're seeing this reflected in our financials we're seeing this reflected in our retention rates culture and our ability to get shit done and hitting kpi targets on time per quarter all of this stuff directly comes from having things run in an orchestrated fashion harmoniously that is why that is why i chose this name for for this business orchestration and essentially what we do is we help organizations use remote work strategies to reduce expenses grow revenues and increase profit margins this is remote work with a business intent behind it not just remote work because somebody wants to go travel into bali for a month and go on a workation this this is remote work for real business reasons for profit for expense reduction for for growth and the the art and the science of how to use remote work which you know i've been there done that i spent many years figuring out how to do this in my last company and uh, this is the way forward this is the opportunity that that many businesses around the world face and it if you're not doing it right, there's an opportunity to potentially have better business by implementing some of these strategies. Now, what if I told you that you could cut your SGNA expenses by 20%, eliminate lease liabilities from your balance sheet, shorten your sales cycle, increase your team's productivity, and hire smarter talent without paying higher salaries? You might say, bullshit. How are you going to do that? What are you talking about? That's possible with the right remote work strategies, which probably, probably saw where I was going with that. But that's essentially what we're talking about. And that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg here. There are many problems with remote, which the more and more that we've dug into this, the more stuff keeps coming up, which I think a lot of leaders and a lot of people out there tasked with running, leading, or investing in organizations are looking at. And when you say, well, okay, maybe we could be remote. Well, what are the problems with that? And a lot of stuff comes up. So, and some of this is, is problems by, that have come up with the rise of remote work. But a lot of this is problems that have to do with remote work itself. So, back real quick. So, first of all, one of the issues is that firms that are hiring remote tend to attract better talent. So, if you're not remote, you're losing talent. 
Right. Good argument for remote. What else? Paying high rents for offices no one uses. And I think a lot of a lot of businesses around the world have have figured out that this is something that doesn't really make sense. So that's why you see office occupancy rates being a lot lower. That's why you see hybrid culture taking over for the majority of organizations. They can't quite figure out remote work or haven't realized how to do remote work right. But people aren't tr- really going to the office. So why are we paying for this much space? Let's take it off of let's take it off of our expenses. Let's take it off of our liabilities. Done. Other problems. Productivity suffers while remote. There's communication difficulties. It's hard to build and maintain culture. Culture issues. I think a lot of CEOs in particular point to this, especially from the last couple of years, is a major issue with remote work. Leaders don't trust their people to work at home. I've heard, I've heard this multiple times from, from leaders and, and business owners that I'm friends with that they just don't trust their people when they're not in the office. There's security risks costs associated with security for remote work. The same thing with compliance, which is a major, major issue, especially when you have people working globally, a little bit less so when you're inside of one country, but still something to consider. Meeting overload, shitty work-life balance. There's technology infrastructure required. You need the right tech stack. You need the right hardware. You need the right software. You need the right integrations. You need the right people. You need to know how to use it. All of this, it's a lot, right? Like that alone is just digital transformation, which organizations have struggled with for years. There's logistics considerations. There's difficulties with learning and training. There's a lack of, of social connection, which you get in the workplace when you're physically together in an office. There's loneliness, feelings of isolation when you're working at home. And that's, that's just, just getting started here. There's so many issues with remote work that make it difficult or expensive to, to do. And if you don't know what to do about these things, I think you know, we've had since 2020, we've had a couple of years of organizations starting to figure this out, of leaders starting to figure this out, and people have solutions to some of these things. But by and large, there's still problems that are out there today. And these things have not been solved for the global market. And so what we see is that, yeah, remote's pretty fucking difficult. But this is exactly what we set out to solve. We solve these problems. And if you recall what we were discussing earlier in terms of the advantages at my last company that we were able to use from remote work, we also unlock these advantages for organizations. That's our focus in terms of how we can improve the business of, of different organizations in terms of, yeah, in terms of profit margin, in terms of growth, in terms of optimizing expenses. It's these things, dealing with these issues and finding ways to unlock these benefits for organizations. We have proprietary method, 16 pillars for remote organization. I won't get into all of this now. I'm going to be talking about this in great detail in the coming weeks, months, quarters, years. But essentially, we've broken down the different aspects to a high-performing remote organization into 16 key categories. And these categories, when you do them right, you can either A, use as a focal point for remote transformation in terms of your organization and, and bring these benefits to your organization, or you can use this to identify any kinds of issues or things that you need to do better in order to improve the way that you're currently operating. So these apply, and I should say, not just to remote companies, uh, but also to hybrid companies and to a more limited degree, also to traditional in-person, fully in the office companies as well. These are things that you need to have these done right in order to do remote right. And again, I'll get into this in more detail later, but we can go through a couple of examples real quick just to kind of get a sense of what this means. Here, I pulled up a income statement from ShiftPixie Inc., which is a publicly traded company. This is from their, their 10K SEC filing. And you can see just, I mean, this is an income statement. That's pretty, pretty straightforward. But you can see kind of how this breaks down, right? And this company in particular, yeah, they had $36 million of revenue. They had $34 million in terms of cost of revenue. Well, now we can start to look at this and say with you know, putting on the lens, the orchestration lens of how do I use remote work for growth and for profit? We can look at that and we can say, okay, why is revenue so expensive? Where is that going? Are there ways that we can optimize our expense structure in terms of, I believe this is a service company, in terms of delivery of services by hiring in less expensive jurisdictions? You know, this company, if I recall, is a lot of operations in California. California is a really expensive state to do business in. Can we move some of those operations out of California into Texas, into, into Colorado, into Montana? These are things that we can start to look at, which if you have to have your operations centered around, you know, a standard office, you don't really think these things. But now we're thinking, wait a second, 
how do we do this? And that leads us to these kinds of opportunities. But we can also look at some of this in terms of payroll, salaries, wages, 13 million in salaries and wages. And this, this company is like burning money, by the way. It's lost $43 million in the, uh, in the last year, ending in August of 2022. Lost $27 million before they're, they're burning money. And they are growing, but they're definitely burning money. But I look at that and we can say, okay, those salaries. Are there ways potentially that we could restructure the team, that we could architect our team designs, maybe make better use of contractors in areas that are not quite so expensive? Is everybody a salaried employee? And are they all based in the state of California? Well, payroll taxes extremely high in California. They're much, much less expensive in other other states and other cities and other countries. Although there's increased compliance logistics that need to be considered, that might be a way to save some costs. $13.5 million spent on salaries, wages, and payroll taxes. Can we shave that by 10%? Well, that's $1.3 million right there. And you know, you look at that and you say, well, that's almost the same as gross profit. Holy shit. We can double our gross profit just by optimizing our location of business. Well, and that's just one, that's just the first like three items on the income state. We can look at some of these other things, right? In terms of liabilities, you know, I believe these guys have offices and rent lease agreements as some of their liabilities. They're paying rents. Let's take that out of the, the operating expense structure. You can look at this in terms of general administrative expenses, sales and marketing. Where is that money going? Are there ways that we can optimize a globally distributed remote workforce in order to optimize our sales costs? You know, how much are they, are they spending in order to fly salespeople to take in person meetings? Can we reduce the, those, uh, those flights, you know? And are these, are these economy flights or are they business class flights? Cause I would bet company that's burning this much money, they might be spending on business class flights, right? So you can look at this and say, well, that's an opportunity to potentially impact the financials of the business. Another example in terms of productivity, something that I hear a lot is, you know, well, if we're remote, I don't know how to make sure that everybody's productive or, you know, how do we make sure that people are getting shit done, to be honest, when they're working at home? And if you have the right productivity systems, you know, this can be a software solution. We see here as a bit of a dashboard from Time Doctor. At my last business, we used Harvest for time tracking and for reporting around productivity. But we also used various KPI systems that did not rely on in-person meeting or meetings at all, uh, generally, to be honest, uh, to determine the productivity of everybody on the team. So you can set up and structure productivity systems in order to make sure that shit gets done while everybody's working on the things they're supposed to do. And so, again, sometimes that's software, sometimes that's operating philosophy of the business, sometimes that's the business operating system, which is uh, the key, I'd say, foundational element to what we built at Optimotive was having a business operating system that, you know, regardless of me as, as the one running the show, or regardless of anybody on the leadership team, that operating system is going to keep things running, even if all of us are out sick, everybody could come in and run the business through the operating system. And so we knew that things were getting done because we saw that reflected in our results. And we saw that reflected in the data that we got from everybody getting shit done. So these are, again, this is one of the things that you can do when you have the right systems in terms of how you're running your business remotely. If you're, if you're working through your office and you haven't really thought about this, or you have a system, but it's really geared more towards an in-office culture, you're going to have some mismatches when you try to fit that to remote infrastructure. And especially if you don't have those raw inputs of people inputting what needs to be inputted into your systems for ensuring productivity. This is also different across different industries. This is different across different styles of work. We faced as an agency, very creative work, which required, I honestly, I think much more complicated and advanced tracking in terms of things that don't have a defined start and end. It's not like we're producing steel pipes. You kind of know, you know, steel goes in, work goes in, pipes come out. Did we make enough steel pipes, right? But for creative work, that's a little different. And so one thing that I'm actually very proud that we were able to build different solutions for Optimotive was figuring out how to ensure creative productivity when we're, you know, not even all on the same continent and we're working fully remotely over, you know, all of these different projects and then multiply that by 15 clients. So that's the kind of stuff that we're talking when we're talking productivity. Another example, meeting optimization. When you're working remotely, you need to really, really be intentional about your meetings. And we saw this again, reflected in some of the data that's out there in terms of when COVID hit and post post mandated work from home, we saw a lot of meetings rise because people generally would throw meetings in the calendar in order to patch things that they used to do in person or 
as a, a easy solution to something that should really be systemized and built into a better way of doing work. But we don't need to have that. And in, in, in particular, what you see here is, is one example of one of the things that we built, and that's a node agenda system, which is it's, I think, primarily useful in terms of in terms of leadership for really consolidating when you have a lot of authority to call meetings and to interrupt people's time. It's, it's a good tool to consolidate agendas and things that are not necessarily urgent, save them for the appropriate time and free up the ability of your team to focus on things and get shit done. But this is something that anybody can use. And uh, what this is, by the way, is something that I've used personally for years. And that's really, if something comes up that you need to discuss with a colleague, maybe that's someone internal, maybe that's someone external, you can essentially put that into your agenda notes. And I've kept a running document. I used to use Evernotes, now I use Notion. I've kept a running document there for essentially key people I need to talk to, things I need to discuss with them. So I'll put, I'll, I'll just add a name to the list if I need to talk to somebody about something. And if I need to discuss the sales numbers from last week, I'll put that in a sub bullet and say, okay, we need to talk to Michael about the sales numbers. We, we're going to hire somebody and we haven't talked about the onboarding process that we're updating. Okay, put that on the list. If it's not urgent and it's not like something's on fire, if this doesn't get fixed, we lose a lot of money. That's a, that's a pick up the phone situation. But if it's not something like that, that should go into something like this in terms of an agenda space. And then when uh, an all hands meeting comes up or let's say your weekly sales and marketing meeting or uh, one on one, you can discuss those things at an appropriate time. But you know that that thing is captured in time and space and, and, and it will be addressed. And that's just pulling back from from this very specific example of building an agenda system. That's one of the things that we built in terms of optimizing productivity. And now this is a very individualized tool. But you can see quickly how if you roll this across an organization, maybe some people are doing this already. Maybe they're not. I think smart people tend to take notes for a good reason. But if you if you aren't considering little things like this, you're losing out on, on productivity. You're losing out on your ability to function cohesively and smoothly as a team. So you have 100 people in your organization. And any time that something important comes up, you know, the you have three of your most senior executives picking up the phone, interrupting someone's day and calling them and then and conveying a sense of urgency, which is escalated over a phone call that gets passed through to the person they're talking to. All of a sudden they call three people and with a sense of urgency interrupt their days. Now, something that could have been talked about at a meeting on Friday to be addressed by Monday, that just became an interruption to like 30 people's time. And that can introduce delays and interrupt productivity. And people won't necessarily point to this and say that was the issue. But it's these kinds of communication mismatches and unintentional consequences of communicating in a way that's technically okay, but could be much better that can cause productivity issues. And anyway, that's what is one of the different things that we built. And then compliance as well is a great example of something that's, uh, that we're working on, which is how do you stay compliant when you have people in different parts of the world? Something that, that I care a lot about as a digital nomad, I'm currently in Japan, I've been here for a little bit, going to be here for a few more weeks before I head uh, over back over to Indonesia. Um, there's different risks based on different jurisdictions, based on different methods of travel. If you have somebody that's on, you know, let's say workation for two weeks in one place, might not be as big of a deal in one country, but it could be a big deal in another country. If you have somebody that's living somewhere for as a digital nomad, they have different risks in different jurisdictions. You as an employer have different compliance risks as well. And mitigating and managing these risks and setting a, a policy that can effectively navigate these risks as an organization for you is, is absolutely crucial to being able to take advantage of remote work in the right ways. This is another thing that we can help out with. I believe this is the last thing it's quick in terms of quick examples. Global communication. That's very difficult. And this is something that this is not a new concept. Any, any large companies that have offices of multiple time zones have been doing this for a while. But, you know, you have to be intentional about how you're doing your communication. And if you are a smaller company, you know, let's say you have only 50 people and not 5,000, then, you know, in the traditional sense, you might just have a couple office locations. And maybe if you're in one country, let's say, for example, United States, you're dealing with New York and, and LA or Miami and San Francisco. That's pretty easy, to be honest. It's just a couple hours difference. So you can take a few meetings early. You can stay a little late. It's not so big of a deal. But now today in the new model, if you are truly a global company, you know, maybe some of your people want to travel. Maybe they live in different continents and maybe it makes sense for your hiring strategy to 
bring if you bring on a couple of contractors, you could have brought in those contractors, historically speaking, in the San Francisco Bay Area. But it just doesn't make financial sense when you could bring on the same contractors from the Philippines. And, you know, maybe that's five people. That's significant cost savings in terms of those contractor costs. But now you're operating across time zones. And this is one of the big reasons why a lot of people don't like, you know, what they call offshoring in terms of talents. But the, the truth is, if you're, if you're offshoring, delegating and outsourcing certain functions of your organization, has a very different mindset than building a team that is global. And so you run into issues when you don't consider the way that you're communicating. So there is a concept that's being talked about right now in a lot of remote work circles of synchronicity. So there's different policy models that exist. And I would make the case that there's really four major policy models. There's truly asynchronous, which is no meetings. Everyone's on their own schedules, no matter where you are. There's meeting synchronous, which is where you have certain meetings that people need to be present for. But outside of that, everyone sets their own time and their own schedules. You have partial synchronous, which is limited overlap where everybody's working at the same time globally. And then you have full synchronous, which is, and this is actually what we did at Optimode, where everybody's working the same hours regardless of time zone. So if you're in New York and you're in London, you're working the same hours. You're working at the same time, the same eight hour period. And so in London, that would be 5 p.m. to 1 a.m. In well, San Francisco, that'd be 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And New York, that'd be 12 to 8. And this is a way that allows you to synchronize everybody's workdays. Is not always going to be the same for different companies in terms of what works, in terms of what fits, in terms of what you want to do. There's benefits, trade-offs. And in particular, one of the reasons why we did synchronous work in my last company is because of the creative nature of our work, because we needed to constantly be communicating and, and also interfacing with clients that ex- expect us to be available in certain time zones. But, you know, presumably there's other situations and not not just externally, also different functions within a company where you'd have different policy models. So, for example, if you're a sales team and you're selling in certain certain market, you're probably going to want to work those hours of the people that you're selling to. If you are a development team and, you know, you need to hit your weekly sprint, but you don't necessarily need to meet to talk about it, you kind of know it's in the Kanban board, you can do a true asynchronous setup. And both of these models can exist in the same company. That's a policy consideration. So this is one of the things that we can help with is making sure that you streamline your communication in a way that impacts productivity and and, and allows basically, says a few times, shit to get done when you're working remotely. And all of that, uh, this last example I have of some of the work that, that we do, is takes me to our vision, which is our view for the future of where we're going and what we're trying to create as a reality in the world. And the first part of that vision is that All 1 billion knowledge workers are remote, all of them. Rush hour traffic disappears. It's no longer a thing. You don't have to wait in traffic for hours because there is no rush hour. Nobody's going to an office and getting home from an office. You're able to essentially manage the roads a lot better. Office buildings, obsolete. I think we demolished some. We convert a lot into residential apartments and condos and a lot into a retail space and some into co-working spaces and some offices for for absolutely critical reasons like such as security, data security, information security, hardware security, things like that, which we can talk about that later, but something that I think we're going to see in terms of specialization for offices. And we're going to also see the city and nature become a lot more integrated. So why live in a giant concrete jungle when you can have all of the same restaurants you enjoy, cool people, cool bars, concerts nearby and you know nice all the nice city things that you that you that you like in the city that's also embedded in the mountains that's also in a place with lots of outdoor recreation that's also in a beautiful nature why stay in the concrete jungle and yeah you could say you know a lot of people want to stay in the cities like that but i think that this is one of the directions that we're going globally as a society and this is something that i really believe in in terms of making happen we're also going to see families get a lot closer and a lot more supportive of each other when you have a lot more, when you spend a lot more time together in the same space, in the same house. I think like we used to hundreds of years ago when everyone was working on the farm, that is what we're going back to in some sense with the new model of working and new technology. There's no, oh, you know, especially if you, you know, if you're, uh, if you're a busy executive, if you're constantly flying around for working with clients or for sales reasons and you're never home, you're not there for your kids. Like nobody wants to be that that kind of parent, right? And we're gonna see that start to go away because when you can work remotely, you can be there with your kids. You can stay from, you can stay home. You can also restructure your schedule to spend more time with them to do these certain things, right? This is something that we're 
going to see more and more of this is is the future that we're trying to create and also global equality this is going to rise this is the wrong issue but global equality is going to rise and that's because of you know the ability of people to work together anywhere in the world it's no longer something where there's a limitation just based on the city that you're living in so all of that takes me to the final part here in my explanation of of orchestration which is that we're not just about about talk here we're not just trying to paint a nice image of the future this is about action and in particular about the real impact of using remote work for you know for profit for growth for things like this and so there's a couple of things that you can do in terms of working with us and this is also how we're trying to help organizations and this is what we do right so in terms of free resources two things one we we've already published a few and we're publishing more systems and tools for remote executives at our website orstn.com we're going to be creating a lot more stuff in the near future there's some stuff that's currently in progress that is going to be published there where you can get access to these different things information systems tools resources things like that in order to lead, run, grow, scale remote teams, that's going to be on our website. We also, which if you might be listening to, to our podcast right now, or you might be seeing this online, in which case we have a podcast. We have launched, and this is the first episode of it, a podcast called The Shift, which is basically using remote work strategies for growth and profit. And so our goal with The Shift is to break down all the different pillars of a high-performance remote organization, talk to industry experts, talk to leaders and executives that are at companies that are doing the doing remote very well, and talk to industry experts and talk to people around the, around the world that have cracked the code on doing remote right, and in particular, in a way that has a business impact. So there's a, there's a, a lot that we have planned in terms of what we're going to discuss in the show, but uh, the plans are that we're going to be releasing many, many, many episodes soon. So if you want to check that out, you can go check out our websites and I'll tell you how in a second. And then in terms of the not free stuff, you can hire us for a couple of things. So first of all, if you are an investor, if you're thinking about buying a company, if you are in the business of acquisitions in particular, leverage buyouts, really any kind of M&A of any kind, and you'd like to do some due diligence from a remote operational perspective on potential acquisition targets, you can hire us for that. We are able to go in assess a company, determine their current level of remote readiness, remote operations, and also improvements that can be made, both in terms of opportunities when it comes to cost structure and also opportunities for growth. And ultimately, that's what this gets down to is if, you know, if you're focused on getting return for your money, we can help you do that with remote work strategies. That's the first thing. Second thing, we do executive training for remote and hybrid teams. So if you are a remote organization and you're running into issues or some of the stuff that I've said here has resonated with you, we can help train your team in order to use these kinds of strategies and implement them in your organization. This applies to remote teams and this also applies to hybrid teams as well because a hybrid organization is just a remote organization that happens to have an office. And maybe the way that you're doing work is is based on the in-office model, but it should be based on remote first. And then you can figure out what you want to do with your office. So the office is optional and you're not tied to the office anymore. So that's something that we can help help with. We also offer custom solutions to any kind of remote and hybrid work problems. So if you are running into issues with productivity, with hiring, with compliance, reach out to us and we'll, we'll see if we can help. We, we should be able to. And at the very least, we probably know somebody who can help. So that's something you can hire us for. And the last two things, remote transformation. If you are in the process of moving your organization to, to remote, we can help with both determining what needs to go into that transformation in terms of technology, people, systems, organization, infrastructure, things like that, but also actually implement those things into your organization and work with you in order to build a good implement, implementation plan and then actually make that reality in an appropriate time frame. And then the last thing that we can help you out with is improving hybrid remote operations for growth and profit. If you would like to reach out to us in terms of in terms of improving your business financials with these remote work strategies, let me know. Can't promise that any kind of wild results are going to you know double your profit next week, anything like that. But at the very least, we can take a look at your financials. We can take a look at what's going on there and apply the different strategies that we have 
to see where there's an opportunity to either increase profits or or unlock new growth opportunities that maybe you're thinking about it, you don't know how to, to pursue, or maybe it's something that's not even on your radar. And so we can help identify those things. Um, and, and, and last thing is the, the remote health assessment. So this is something that I invite anybody, if you, if you made it this far in, uh, in the episode, then I, I please, I invite you to go to our website, again, orstn.com, and take the free remote health assessment. This is a assessment that we have developed in order to determine where the opportunity is in your organization to to improve your remote operations. So it could be the case that you're already doing everything perfectly, you really have it figured out, great. Well, you can take the assessment, we'll let you know, hey, you're fucking killing it, keep doing what you're doing, great. But it also could be the case that maybe there's some things that you're not aware of that maybe could be done be done better. Well, if you take the assessment, we can tell you about that. We can say, hey, 90% is good, but you know, if you want to maybe increase your productivity by another 20%, here's what we can focus on. And then also, if if you have any any, any problems or issues that you're currently seeing in your operations, well, reach out and 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 we'll see if we can help with that. But also, I think that's a great indicator that maybe it's a good idea to take the remote health assessment because then we can get a comprehensive view on what the root cause of these issues might be so do something about it. So it's free, no cost, go, you can take it, and then we will send you a customized report about remote work in your organization, and then you can decide what you want to do with that. And of course, in our in our interest, if, uh, if we can help you out with that, you know, we'll, we'll pitch you on a, a solution to your problems and see if we can make some magic happen. So, last thing, how to stay updated. There's three primary ways that you can stay updated with what we're building. The first is to follow orchestration on LinkedIn. That is the main place that we're going to be posting information is on LinkedIn. The second is to join our email list at orchestration at our website at orstn.com. And the and third is to follow my personal Instagram at Andrew underscore Ishii. I'll be posting some stuff there as well. And all of these things, except for my Instagram, can be found at our website at orstn.com forward slash connect. And uh, if there's anything else that uh, we're going to put up in terms of how I can stay updated, we'll put it there. So if you want to stay updated, that's what you can. And uh, yeah, really, this is a call to action. I would say more than anything else to join us on this mission because we are on a mission to accelerate the shift to remote work across the world. The This is something that has been around for a while. This is something that, you know, back in 2020, we basically ran a huge global experiment on working remotely. And, and it worked, you know, yeah, there were some difficulties, but, but, but for the most part, things continued to, to work and operate and function just fine. And I believe that this is the beginning now of, of a major, major shift in the way that we work globally as a society. And so our mission is to accelerate that shift. We want to make that vision that we talked about earlier come true. We want to take all the people out of the offices. We're declaring war on commercial real estate, or at least office-based commercial real estate. We want to free and liberate all the people in terms of living the life that you want, in terms of living up to up to your expectations about what you want to do, about your happiness, about your life enjoyment, about spending more time with your family, and creating an incredible future where anybody that has the ability to work remotely can. And uh, yeah, that's our mission. So uh, please join us on this mission. And uh, if you want to know more, you can go to our website, orstn.com. And uh, we'll catch you next time on the next episode. Peace.